Listen, who doesn't love to start your day with James Brown? Get on up. All right, you just leave me a message in the chat. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was on, I got the cue. I got it. I jumped right in. Who doesn't love James Brown? Come on, get on up. Like a loving machine, like a lover machine. I'm here for it. Happy Thursday. It is Friday Eve. It's the weekend, baby. It's here. And it's a holiday weekend. I'm telling you something. I feel like it's been more holidays than usual. I think Juneteenth was the curve, right? Because we don't, there's no holidays in June that we normally would celebrate. So there's June, so there's Memorial Day, Juneteenth, 4th of July, and then, uh, then there's nothing in August, and then Labor Day. We need a holiday in August. <laughs> Somebody... Somebody find a holiday in August that we can all get behind. I'm just saying. I am Babs Rose Ivy. This is Love Babs Love Talk. Thanks for tuning in all around the world. I love the people that listen to us around the world. I, I don't know why, but they do. And I appreciate you far and wide. To the peeps in Florida, God bless you. Uh, uh, oh, I got a little lotion on my forehead um to my people in california high five to my jersey folks hey to my connecticut people y'all know what we do up in here <laughs> and everybody in between how y'all doing <laughs> how y'all doing word on the street is on hiatus for a little bit but it'll be back don't you worry in the words of don Cornelius, you can bet your last dime honey baby <laughs> It's going to be a stone gas. So don't worry, it'll be back on these little breaks, pounding these streets. So, uh, yeah, so it's Thursday. What is happening? Also, yesterday I got my LSAT scores. I was ridiculously happy because I was five points away from the goal that I had set for myself. And uh, it freaked me out because I didn't know what to expect. You know, I put in a lot of studying, a lot, 5 a.m get up, some studying, uh, study groups, you know, catching up with people and study. I mean, it was just a lot, but now I just need to do a little bit more. So I meet with my LSAT coach today um, and, uh, and we're gonna create a strategize about a, a plan, you know, probably talk about where I thought I was strong. I, I, I need to master these games. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go all in uh, from here until September, because I could take, I'm going to take the LSAT again in September. They, this is the year that they offered it in September. They normally, August is the last, and then you have to wait to October. And so since I'm applying to schools in the fall, I can't really wait till October. I mean, I could, but you know, when you get your stuff turned in, you want it all turned in. So, uh, so yeah, so, do, so doing, doing that kind of work. So I'm going to go all in from uh, after I talk to him today, and then we'll just create a plan and I'll get back to studying 
and working on uh, whatever and just trying to get it in so that I could uh, get better at this stuff. Oh, my God. You know, I just want some more points. So I know I know where I want to get to. So I'm trying to I'm trying to get there. So if I was five points away, then I'd like to get 25 points more. So if I could put 30 points on what I've done, which is probably ridiculous, but uh, you got to reach, right? You got you got to make the you got to make the reach. I'm going to make the reach. And uh, thank you, Harris K, for my for my my purple. She did a she did a double purple color. I love it. Pretty, very pretty. Like it's dark and moody, but it's purple, deep purple. But you know it's purple. So, but anyway, um, back to the LSAT. So that's the that's the idea. That is the idea. So I'm gonna try to do my best with that. Oh, this is where the lotion is. The lotion is on my glasses. I was like, where is this lotion coming from? Oh, it's on my glasses. So put it on my face. So that's that's the that's the trick. So my summer is gonna be spent in study mode, which is fine, you know. I need I need to be studying and reading. That's what I need to be doing. Well, need want. That's what I want to be doing. And just, you know, working on my my space. So that's the that's the idea. Uh, uh, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I'll have to be home till later. I got stuff to do. No, so I'm gonna have to go to the store tomorrow. Go to the store tomorrow. So that's the way of the world, good people. Uh, I, I'm delighted about my scores. Thank you to all the people who I posted up on Facebook, and thank you to all the people who wish me well and uh, who are just lifting me up, and the people who ain't, because you know the people who ain't lifting you up are few too. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't spend no time thinking about that. I'm just saying. You know, uh, don't don't discount the people who discount you. You don't got to focus on them. Just be aware, you know, just just like, you know, and I don't dwell on that stuff. I just like I know it. And and it's not like, oh, I'm going to show you. It's not that. It's just like it's like it, it's like any any road you drive on. you got to be aware of the road, the potholes and 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 the exit signs and and all the things. You just have to be aware. That's the point that I'm making, that you just have to be aware of everything that's in your in your in front of you and in your rear view mirror. You just take you glance back and be like, all right, all right, it's all clear. I'm going, you know, or if it's not clear, you just learn how to drive without hitting stuff. That's that's the point I'm making. So. (laughs) So, yeah, so I'm taking the LSAT in September. I'm excited. I'm ready to jump on this thing now that I got this out the way and I have a sense of it. Because, you know, it, it really does take you, it really does take some, some, some doing it so you could settle into it. And I'm glad that I, I took it. Because the practice tests are, are, are practice tests and they, you know, they're, they're fed up the same way. But it's, it's when you intellectually know that this is the real thing uh, then you can you you get a you get a sense of ease. I I did anyway, even though I had a lot of challenges, you know, with taking my L set, and uh, and I certainly don't want to have that again. 
you know, I so don't. Um, and, you know, taking it in September, I'll still get my scores in September. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you get your scores. I took my test in June. I got my scores in June. So, so it's fine. And, and I don't have to do another writing sample. I wrote something. So whatever. <laughs> you can read it or not read it. <laughs> uh, and then I got to work on uh, all the other supporting documents for the LSAT. So it is a journey. It is a journey. And I'm grateful for the Yale Access to Law School program because I would have never been able to figure this. Like I would have just lost. I would have not connected all the dots. And I just would have. I don't know what I would have done. I think I could follow directions well enough, but there's so many nuances that you I would have missed. You know, it was it's just so many nuances that you that I would miss. So I'm glad that I uh, I'm in this program, and and it's nice to be studying with a cohort of people too. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's a uh, it's a it's a nice to be in a cohort. Uh, and, you know, we don't see each other every day, all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, but we, we we stay connected in our group chat and uh, and we lift each other up and and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So. I feel pretty good. So, yeah, so that's, you know, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Sorry, I'm it's hot in here or oh, I'm hot. I, I've already crossed over to menopause. So this is just I'm just it's just like a little humid in the atmosphere so oh yeah so i don't have any fourth of july plans i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna probably be home and work on some stuff in the house and because i got so much to clear away and i really want to get stuff cleared away like i truly want to get stuff cleared away because you know there's some things i'm just tired of looking at uh and the messiness of it all so we, i'm gonna figure that out and uh and get that done and then I've, I've got some other things that I got to deal with, which I will. So, you know, it's not that not that big of a deal. I'll deal with it. And uh, that'll be it. That will be it. That will be it. That will be it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the world that we live in. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I'm still on this Putin foolishness. And so I was listening to the news, as I do every day. Uh, they were talking about how the guy... I don't even call these people's names. Um, the the mercenary leader, um, how he um, uh, didn't march on Moscow. I, I'm I'm not believing. This is what I know. I'm not gonna believe that he just jumped up one day and said, I, "I'm gonna just go march on Moscow." That has to be orchestrated and money. Money. It takes money to overthrow a country. It takes money to overthrow a government. I, it takes money. And I'm just, I'm like, it takes money. <laughs> so I, for me, it's just, where's the money? Where's the money coming from? Who's paying these cats? That's how I'm thinking about it, you know? Um, and I guess there was a plan underfoot to snatch up one of Putin's right hands, you know, generals or whatever, maybe two, one or two of them. And, uh, okay, I'm with that. But when I hear stuff like that, I automatically think there's some internal, some internal uh, 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 turn coding going on. Because <laughs> when somebody starts saying, I'm going a, I'm to a 
scoop up some folks in the cabinet. I'm thinking somebody on the inside is giving you information about people's movements and wherewithal, because that's the only way that's going to happen, particularly in a in a government like the KGB. I mean, I'm sorry, Russia. So uh, it's it's it, it's some internal. <laughs> Putin now has to realize he got some folks on the inside who ain't his fan, but he never really treated people on the inside like he. Like he could trust them anyway. I mean, you know, you got that long conference table. Somebody got 8,000 people got a taste of food before he could eat it. You know, that kind of mess. So <laughs> I don't know about the eating food part, but I, I've seen the long table. So there you go. Um, so so there's, there's got to be some folks on the inside who are like working against him. Now, I'm sure somebody's going to get ratted out because money. Because that's really what it's going to take. It's, well, in Russia, it probably will take money and and the threatening and the taking of your family members. Because <laughs> that's how they get down. You're going to talk, we're going to kill everybody in your house. And we're going to, and, and by killing, we're going to take them to Siberia and lock them away and you'll never see them again. And they'll be in prison. And so, so that's enough, I think, of, 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 of uh, enticement for people to talk. You know, but but I'm sure that w the people on the inside already understand if this goes awry, how this gonna go down. I mean, they, they work with this cat. They seen this cat. They watch this cat come up through the KGB. They know. They know how he operates. They know how he is. So so they took a huge risk, and it's a big risk. You know, I never thought they was intentionally gonna march on Moscow. I I never thought that. I. I think this, I always thought that this was just a message. It's a hard message, a big message. And uh, uh, and it seems unfinished, but what are you going to do? So so I know it's got to be some cats on the inside talking to the mercenaries like, hey, this, 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 this. I know it because how else could you have, how else could you know the things that you know? So, so now he's got to be worried about that. Now he's, you know, now he really ain't sleeping at night. Because he got to be looking at all the people at the table, like, which one of these MFers is, you know, selling me out, you know, turning on me, you know. And, and listen, now the world sees there's an Achilles heel in Moscow, right? And there always is one. I don't care how badass he is. He's just a guy. And if everybody at the tables just bum rush him, He's not the guy anymore. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's that simple. <laughs> it's complex, but it's that simple. If everybody at the table just say, oh, we're not going with this, boom, and just rush him. And I know he's got guards and all this little kind of stuff. But if you could buy off all the people around him and you and you you play the patriot card, like, listen, this is the this is what's best for Russia at the moment. And then and then you lay out the history. Russia has always had complicated leaders. You know, you do that kind of talking to people, you will be a part of making history. You'll be a part of turning Russia back to herself. You'll be a part of strengthening Russia. You know, you do that kind of talking to people who are already impressionable. And by impressionable, I mean like young people, kids, or people who long for the old days or whatever the, whatever the motivation is. So you got these cats on the inside who would, you know, hold it down. Like, all right, I'm going to. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing every day, every day. And then next thing you know, boom, 
it jumps off. So I get it. I get it. I get it with the pundits who say, you know, we, we don't want to destabilize Russia because then that makes the world nervous. You know, it makes everybody else in the world nervous. You know, so there's got to be a way to do it. But listen, uh, ain't nobody on this planet uh, strangers to overthrowing governments. From Cuba to Poland to France to, I mean, all kinds of people have overthrown, you know, their, their, their governments. <laughs> Coups. <laughs> What's one more on the world stage? So, uh, so yeah. So I, you know, they're offering these cats a deal. If I was those cats, I would take that deal. I would just act, listen, just go go back and mingle in general population, act like you don't know nothing. And you see, it wasn't me. <laughs> was you down with the mercenaries? Nope, wasn't me. Were you down with the oh, nope, wasn't me. You know, it, oh, you know, the how you get to the truth is somebody else telling on you. You know. So it has to be people who will tell. We'll see what happens. So that's my take on Russia at the moment. And, and then you got to be worried about Putin. I, I don't think he will destroy uh, nuclear power plants. I, I don't think that's the end game. Although it's clearly a, a real consideration, you know, because hot-headedness is hot-headedness. And who among us hasn't lost our cool and done some stupid stuff? So hot-headedness is, is a very much a reality, you know. The, who, who among us hadn't said some stuff or did some stuff that we wish we could take back? <laughs> I'm guilty of that, you know. So I know Putin is like, I'm so mad right now, I could just blow up that nuclear power plant. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it, boy. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it, boy. Don't do it. Because if you do it, you know what happens? It messes up your country, too. You know what I mean? Like the nuclear fallout is not just going to be contained to Ukraine. <laughs> the fallout is going to be massive. So you don't want that as a bargaining tool. Take that off the table. That's not how you use that. I'm just saying, I'm no diplomat. I'm just playing one on the radio. So I'm just saying. So that's my take on, on, uh, on, on Russia and, and all the other foolishness in the world. So now we could just, it's too many, too many, too many, uh, too much unrest everywhere. Can we just have, just get a collective mo moment of peace in the world? Can somebody start that? Bishop Tutu, wasn't Bishop Tutu trying to get people to have a collective, a collective moment of peace? You like, you know, everybody just put their guns down for a minute, just for like two minutes. Put your guns down. Just collective peace on the planet, everybody. If you're fighting somebody, just stop fighting. You know what I mean? Like some collective peace. And see if you can enjoy that. And then if you can enjoy collective peace, maybe you want more of it. And if you want more of it, then you might want to do things differently so that you can enjoy it. I'm just saying. Don't you want some collective peace? I know I do. I want some collective peace. How do we get there? Well, we take a moment. Let's take a moment of collective silence. Get everybody in the world to stop what they're doing, no matter what it is. You know, and just chill. And just like, ah, oh, peace feels good. I want this in my life. 
want peace, not just for me, but for my neighbors and people I don't know, and people over there and people around. I want peace for everybody. You know, if we could get everybody to think that way, just for a moment, just get a moment, you know, a couple of minutes, a couple of minutes of peace. See if you could get into it. You know, everybody try a couple of moments of peace. Put your guns down, put your knives down, put your war, warring words down, uh, and chill. I'm not, I'm not asking people to love anybody. What I'm asking you to do is just chill the hell out for a couple of minutes, you know, and, and see if you like it. And if you like it, then think about how you can have more of it. That doesn't require you uh, annihilating people. <laughs> you know, like see if you can have peace while people are on this planet with you instead of genocide and, and destruction and, and all of that. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, I've got so much to do. So little time. Uh, so much to do. So little time. I just realized my friend, Dr. Deco Muhammad is in town. I'm supposed to meet her at 1115. I don't know how I'm going to pull that off. Like, you know what, Deco can, and she's got to get to train at what, 1.30. So I was like, can I meet you at 12? No. And that gives me time to get it together a little bit better than where I am right now. Or maybe not. Maybe I can't. So, but anyway, that's, that's, my, that's my, my, my take on world peace. Or, or, or being in the world, I, I want to see a little peace for everybody. And if we can get there, great. If we can't, well, you know, we keep trying. Just keep trying. So, uh, let me see what else is going on in the world. You know, I just got to check the, the Navy Independent. Yeah, check them. See what's going on on the front page. And I could check the inner city too. What is smashing grabs? What are people doing? Oh, people break, you know, busting windows at restaurants and stealing stuff. Okay. I guess. Uh, two more, two more uh, cops were fired in the, uh, in the uh, uh, cop, in the uh, Randy Cox uh, case. There was like four or five cops that, Anyway, um, uh, uh, Randy Cox was the 37-year-old uh, black guy that suffered para paralyzing injuries while in police custody. And uh, so, you know, the cases were made against these cops and, you know, they one, one, one was able to retire, but the other ones were fired. I think that's it, right? I think they're all all fired now except the one that retired. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I, if I'm looking at how to reorganize police departments around this country, and, and I'm not, I, I, I would, their pensions would be put in jeopardy. I don't give a damn. If you're a cop and you're doing this kind of stuff or any kind of stuff, you should lose your pension. I don't care how long you've been on the force. 
Because you know what? You know what? You have got to change the culture of cops feeling like they have ultimate power, judge, jury, and executioner. You've got to cure that. Um, and it's going to be twofold. It's going to require good cops, cops who really want to be cops and are about the care of community and, and, and about the honorableness of the honor of being a police officer. Those cops are going to have to get in between those bad cops and root them out. I didn't say rat them out, I said root them out, you know, so however way you got to do it. If you have to put people on probation, if you have to re-educate people, if you have to do, do all the things that you need to do to get the kind of police force, but you cannot, you cannot continue to have police officers getting away with beating the crap or doing stuff to, to citizens while citizens are in their care. When you take someone into custody, you take them into the care of the police department. You don't get to decide that you're going to dole out an ass whooping because you feel some kind of way about what you imagine the crime was committed or what you think of them personally or what you think of them based on some moral superiority. No, that's not your job. You wouldn't want to go to the dentist and then your dentist says, I think you need open heart surgery and commences to open up your chest. You see how ridiculous that is? So the same kind of ridiculous thinking has to be around policing. We don't want cops beating up people. We don't. It's bad for community. It's bad for policing. And I personally think it puts police officers in much more greater danger. It puts police officers in greater danger if somebody believes that the cops are going to, the cops are the bad guys. You know, when, when people start to believe that the cops are the bad guys and not the helpers, you know, and cops are the helpers. So a couple of things is gonna happen. Municipalities across this country will not be able to pay out these hefty, hefty, hefty uh, judgments against police departments. They're not going to be able to do it. On the backs of taxpayers? No. They're not going to be not going to be able to do it. They're not going to be able to do it. At some point it's going to get to a tipping point. Uh, second, good cops have to say something. You know, they have to more than say something. They have to be empowered to say, that's not policing what you are doing. And I I like cops. We need cops. Cops and police officers are necessary. They're necessary. But they have to believe they're necessary too. And they have to rise up amongst themselves and say, you know, damn this thin blue line. This is a new day and we want a different culture. And we need to restore policing back to respectable levels. So that's where I'm at. So yeah, put put your pinches on the line, and you'll think twice about kicking somebody's ass out there or putting them in harm's way, you know, because you're arresting them because you're just mad or whatever, or whatever, whatever, or because they're popping off at the mouth 
and you feel like that's disrespectful to you in the uniform. And so you just gonna, what? It's not a crime to pop off at the mouth. You, police officers cannot be that thin skinned to just get you know, railed on. Like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Seriously, come on. And I, I get it. I don't, I don't want anybody yelling and cussing at me either. I get it, I get it. And, and you have some authority and you think, you know, if you don't shut up, I'm gonna, you know, I said, shut up, you know, and then poof, something, something happened. No, we don't, we don't, but that's, that's not the environment we want. I get it. I'm not suggesting policing is not easy. It's very hard. It's probably one of the hardest jobs out there. That and public works. <laughs> Those are the two frontline jobs that are the hardest jobs in this city. I don't care what nobody say in any city, public works and police departments, because oftentimes public works people are the first, first people to see some stuff jump off, you know, or they have some awareness of, of what had happened. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just saying. So, yeah. So police officers got to they have to do their part and, and their pinch has got to be on the on the on the line. Right. These contracts. Like, listen, if you find yourself caught up in some police brutality mess and you are found guilty, guess what happens? Guess what happens? Then the penalty is this. Whatever, whatever, whatever time you get to do or whatever you don't get to do or if you get fired, then you lose some of your pension. Maybe all of your pension. I would say start with some, and then if it's depending on the level of the of the of the infraction or the level of the of the of the crime or the brutality or whatever it is, I mean we could we could say whatever we want to say. Uh, we could we could make legislation based on what we need. So if 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 we need to sort of put in police policing contract now, some will say, oh well, police officers are not going to not going to not going to we're not going to have police officers if that's the case because that that puts them vulnerable well maybe but this is what i know you got cameras in your cars and you got cameras on your person so if i'm a police officer i'm gonna make sure i'm well seen and heard in in every interaction with the public whether i got to go arrest somebody or i got to go investigate some old thing I'm gonna make sure I'm well seen and heard, so you, so nobody can say I put a hand on them or I I you know struck them or or I talked smack to them. None of that. That if that's how you have to carry yourself, that's how you carry yourself. I'm just saying. So so that's that's my that's my that's this is what I know as a as a as a former police commissioner and as a former elected officer. Cities and towns cannot afford these judgments. That's number one. Number two, police departments across this country need an overhaul and they know it and we know it. And we, everybody's at odds on how to do it, but do it, we must do it. Why? Because it is, it is the, the citizens' uh, respect and, and, and interaction with the police is at an all-time low. And the, and the police department has had a hand, a huge hand in creating that level of fear and suspect for police officers. I hear people now say, I'm not even calling the police. You hear what I just said? If I see something or whatever, whatever, I'm not even calling the police. Now, I don't know about you, but that's dangerous. I think dangerous. But 
people are so, so whatever about the police departments and not just New Haven. I'm just saying everywhere. They're just so, so disgusted and so, you know, saddened by what they're seeing. There was a case the other day I just was listening to these cop, these white officers, five or six of them went and sodomized these two black men because uh, they thought that uh, talking about you dating white women and all this other kind of stuff and uh, shot, shot one of them with the tongue off and, and the mother was in the house and they had no reason to run up on these people. There was no crime commit, nothing. They just was being assholes and rogue cops. They, they, they get a sex toy and want to go up in one of the, one of the men. And, and and put guns in people's mouths and ears and that kind of stuff and threatening. That's some that's sick. That is sick. That is sick. That is sick. You know. And then you just want to fire these cats with no repercussions. Hmm. So that's what I mean. Is that is these it's these moments. It's one after the other, after the other, after another, after another, where we are we are bombarded with this. Now, listen, there's so many great cops out there. So many, so many good cops, but they are overshadowed by these terrible cops. They're over, because there's some great cops out there. I see them walking in my neighborhood all the time. They pick up trash, they talk to kids, they do all kinds of stuff. I see them, they know people in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, I know there are some amazing, amazing, amazing cops. I know them. I see them. But they are outshadowed, outshadowed by these terrible cops who steal all the air out the room. And then whatever uniform they, the bad cops put on, the good cops put on too. Right? And good cops have got to say enough is enough. I'm a good cop. I'm a great cop. And I don't want to be associated or affiliated with these cats who are doing these heinous things. And that's where the, the blue line has got the, the blue line, the blue wall, the blue paint, all of it's got to come down. And I get the brotherhood component, the brotherhood and fraternal and all this other kind of stuff. But it's not serving you now. So now you gotta re, you got to reimagine what that looks like. You got to reimagine it. Got to reimagine it. Got to reimagine it. So that's all I'm saying. T Citizen towns are not going to be able to continue to pay these hefty judgments. And taxpayers, if they smart, be outraged. Oh, hell no. No. <laughs> you mean to tell me we would rather pay $37 million than to retrain and, and, and push out terrible cops? Come on. And suck back some of them pitches. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Recoup some of that money. Listen, you're not, we're not going to be able to sustain it. And, and you know, and that incident probably just pissed off some other cops who are inclined to do that kind of thing now. You know, how I many? I, I, I dare say there's probably some cops out there now that's like, oh, you, you want to get some of what Rodney Cox got? Those are the the good, the terrific cops have to push out the terrible cops. That's all. That has to happen. That has to happen. Otherwise, policing is going to keep going down this. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. 
and then we'll have no choice but to do something, you know. So I'd rather I'd rather us make a, a, a decision, come to a collective decision about how we how we want police officers to be, rather than being pushed up against the wall, and then we have to decide under under great tragedy. But then we have to make decisions under great tragedy, and and we don't want that. Let's let's make decisions while we have all the all the tools at our disposal. While you know we've only got this one incident in front of us, we don't want twenty more incidents like this. You know, and I, and and all the people who said civilian review board, shut up, because you know what is required for a civilian review board? People to serve on the civilian review board, and everybody is running their mouths about, oh, we need a independent civilian review board which is the board of police commissioners because ain't nobody on that board works for the police department. They're civilians and they're reviewing these cases, but I digress. We have a civilian review review board and guess what happens? Can't find nobody to serve on it. Where's all those voices who was marching and carrying on? Every, where are those people? Where are those? Cause I knew, I already knew. I said, they, they think they want a civilian review board. They think they want, they think. But nobody's going to have the time to serve. Watch. Because you want to read them cases? All right. It takes a little time. And, and some of them, and none of them are going to be like the Randy Cox case. They're not going to be outrageous and, and public and, and international and all that. They're going to be mundane, stupid stuff. And you're going to be like, oh, my God. I see why the cop did this mess. Oh, oh, my God. I would have smacked them, too. You know what I mean? It's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff. <laughs> It takes time and nobody wants, everybody wants the results, but nobody wants to do the service, really. It takes time to serve on these boards. It's a, it's a real commitment of time. Ask me how I know, because I serve on a bunch of boards and it, it requires a commitment uh, above and beyond what people, most people are willing to do. That's why you see people on boards who, who, who do that work, who, who, go from one board to one board because they, you know, once you serve on a couple of boards, you get a skill set. You get some expertise in how to run meetings, how to make decisions, how to bring consistent consensus, how to talk to your constituents, how to talk to people, how to share what you're doing, how to guide the, the, the executive team. You get some skills underneath you around that. And, and as long as you still have interest, that's what serving on a board is. But People, it, it's, it, it's a huge commitment of time and you have to be willing to serve. And if you're not willing, guess what happens? Then it falls by the wayside. It falls by the wayside. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta, you gotta be able to put time in. And so all these people that were marching and stomping and, Working, oh, I want a civilian review board. Okay. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes you get what you want. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you get what you want. And I listen, I if people want a civilian review board, fine. But you gotta serve on it. People gotta serve on it. And everybody's like, oh, I got this, I got that, I got choir, I got church, I got this, I got that. Oh, I got a soccer, I got. You know, I got all this. I got line dancing. I got all. All right. But what civilians do you think is going to be? What civilians do you think don't have nothing else to do? Everybody's busy. 
God knows I know everybody's going to be a heavy body capacity. What are you going to do? So, what are you willing to do? What can you do? So, what can you do? I'm just saying. I've not heard anything else about the civilian review board since they was having trouble recruiting people. So maybe they maybe they took capacity. I, I didn't hear anything. What are they reviewing? Who who checks in on them? Who do they report to? I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not being facetious. And I'm asking real questions. I don't really. I don't really want to know. I'm asking questions that people out there might want to know. I I have a sense. <laughs> You can't always get what you want, but sometimes you do. <laughs> sometimes you do. Sometimes you, that's why I was like, I, I, I was not one of the ones fighting it. I was like, listen, they want a civilian reward, give it to them. I guarantee you within a year it'll dissolve because that requires commitment and time. And there's a premium of commitment and time in the world. So that's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, that so anyway, I say all that to say, we need to uh, uh, overhaul policing in this country. I mean, it's already got a questionable history, right? It's already, you know, policing is born out of of of, of, of slave catching. You know what I mean? So uh, it's already problematic. So there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there. And I don't know if police departments around the country have unpacked their their tumultuous history. I think what happened was, you know, police departments just be, came on the scene. They morphed out of slave catching. And, uh, and then uh, uh, it was a good job for people. And then other people wanted to be in it. And there was pushback. And I mean, it's just, a, I mean, that's, that's the story of that's the American story. You know, other people want these jobs. You know, they want to make a difference. Representation matters. All those things. You know, all those things. All those things. So, so yeah, I don't know. What a what a day! What a day! I ran into um David from uh, David is it David David Blaine? Doctor Blaine wrote the book Fred, Frederick Douglass book. Uh, I'll look. I'll when I come back in the next hour. I'll, I'll but I saw him at Wine Thief, and he told me. I said, well, what are you working on now? He's like, I'm working on this new book. I said, well, what is it? He's like, Yale's relationship with slavery. I was like, <laughs> I was like ooh, is that going to get you fired? <laughs> Did they know you working on this? <laughs> Did they know? Slavery, Yale. I'm like, do they, do, do they know? Oh, my God. I was like, but you know what? It, white people work on it. Do the work. I'm, I'm, listen, show up for it. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take white people to unearth this stuff and stand 10 toes into it. Because, you know, when we do it, it just feel, they just feel like it's self-serving. When white people do it, then, you know, there's some legitimacy around that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying what other white folks think. So uh, uh, I can't. <laughs> I don't know what this is going to be. But uh, many, many years ago. Uh, Mike Jefferson and I were on a on a commission to look at slavery in New Haven and primarily at Yale. And uh, and I think in those days we didn't really have the tools to sort of dig deep. You know, it was just a uh, it was just a short lived task force on it. Uh, it was very interesting. 
very, very interesting um, to work on that stuff. Uh, I've forgotten about that until just recently. Um, and I can't remember what the outcome was. I don't know, maybe we did find evidence of whatever, or I mean, I'm sure we did, but you know, just such a long time ago. And, uh, and this is way before people were really interested in, in finding out the origin stories of slavery in uh, cities and towns and universities, um, and universities being the biggest, uh, one of the biggest um, benefits of the slave trade. That's how these universities, these private white universities got built on the backs of slave labor and slave trade. Um, uh, you know, places where they built but couldn't send their children. Uh, so it's a very interesting uh, thing that now um, um, these places are starting to reckon uh, with that history. And I think it's the right time. I think it's the right, I think, you know, all of it ought to be on the table. I think we all, I think we could digest all of it, no matter how uh, uh, horrific and inhumane it is and was. Uh, it, it is. I, listen, this is what I know. White folks, y'all got a lot to atone for. That's all I'm going to say. You got slavery to atone for. You got the indigenous people to atone for. You know, dragging indigenous people out of their, tri their children, out of their tribes and beating them and raping them and trying to re-educate them. And, oh. And then, you know, this whole slave trade went on for 400 years. I mean, you know, it's just like, white folks, y'all got a lot to atone for. And I, I don't mean that unkindly. I don't. I'm, I'm not trying to make nobody feel guilty. I'm just saying, y'all got a path that y'all got to walk. And it's not going to be an easy one. And so you could put in all the stop, stop gaps that you want. You could try to erase history from all the books. You could you could try it, and some and some of y'all are doing it. But at the end of the day, the truth is going to rise to the top. It just is. That's how truth works. <laughs> so so while y'all are running around the country talking about let's ban these books and critical race theory, which is nothing neither here nor there. All y'all want to you know I don't want I don't want my kids to feel bad about you know white. White participation, part participation in in the early days of this. I mean, whatever. Okay, well, I'm gonna tell you this. You might be able to shut it down in some parts, but you're not gonna be able to shut it down everywhere. And guess what? The whole world, the whole world has learned is learning the history of America. So it's not you can shut it down here. What what you're gonna what it's gonna do is people are gonna come over here and be like, y'all don't even know your own history. You don't even, Americans don't even know their own history. Other people from other places come over here and say, y'all don't even know your own history. And for me, and, and I could be really wrong about this, but when we don't know our own history as a collective citizenry, that makes us vulnerable as a country. That's it. And people might not, we can have all the guns we want. We can, and, we, and God knows we do. We have more guns than anybody on the anybody in the world. And yet our country is not safer. And yet our country is not smarter. And yet our country has got so much internal strife on the verge of incivility and, 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 and uh, terrorism, domestic terrorism. So I think that makes us very vulnerable. Now you may ask, yeah, vulnerable to what? Well, 
<laughs> well, you might ask, <laughs> vulnerable to all kinds of threats. In that military language, all kinds of threats. It makes us vulnerable to all kinds of threats. I was I was listening to a piece the other day, or I read a piece that um, the sun, the sun surges. There's a real possibility that a surge from the sun could take out our internet service, right? Like it just decimated. And I'm like, really? I don't even I don't even think about those things. I know Harry probably thinks about those things. I don't think about those things. Because you know, I'm like one of these people like, well, I have internet now. I didn't always have internet. I didn't grow up with internet, but I have it now and I like it. And I'm sure it'll be more internet into the future. But what if it isn't? What happens? So, so now that puts me into that that dystopian mindset. You know, I I it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be, well, maybe it'll be part of it wars that will do us all in. It would be these things like this, losing ability for technology, right? Uh, disease that we can't cure, viruses that we can't fight back from. You know, there'll be some people who will be automatically immune to it because of just the way their DNA shakes out. But there'll be so many people who can't. I'm sorry, we already seen this in the pandemic, right? I just think about that stuff, right? A little bit, not a lot, just a little bit. It's like, well, what do we do? How do we survive? You know, where do we go? What, what is the reality? You know, how close are we to that kind of dystopian existence? Please let me already be dead. <laughs> let that be hundreds and hundreds of years into the future. <laughs> I know, and that's terrible to wish for that, but that's that's how I'm wishing. Because I, I I just don't want to be in a dystopian existence. I don't want to have to carry water. I don't want to have to light fire. I don't want to have to do any. I want to enjoy running water and a bath and food when I want it. And I don't want to have to be on the run. Let's see. We shall see. Anyway. Well. That's the way of the world. But I think about that. So there's so many other threats that we are that we don't focus on. And I don't say that to get people paranoid, because there are enough paranoia in the world. There's enough paranoid people and enough conspiracy theory people in the world. I'm just talking about sane conversations about a point of action so that we can say, if this happens, then we must do this. Not in the thick of it, but preparation. And I know this sounds a little hokey and I, it's, just, it's not where I'm trying to go, but I'm just thinking, how do we think about those kinds of things? Listen, all over the world, there are people who are displaced from their countries because of famine and war and uh, 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 civil wars and all, just all manner of things. There are people that are displaced. I mean, we, we, we got a real good taste of it with Katrina where people were displaced uh, for years and years and years and years. Um, and parts of Katrina has not recovered. And, and people that were a part of that didn't come back. So anyway, I think about that. So 
So I'm going to take a break. I'll be back at uh, 10, 15. Y'all hang out, hang in, and uh, I'll see you in a minute. Hi, this is Babs Rawls Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org.
Welcome back to the second hour of Love Babs Love Talk. I'm Babs Rolls Live. It is Thursday. It looks beautiful. I can't wait to get out into it. It looks beautiful outside. I see the sun streaming through because I'm in front of the window. I have a long day today. I've got a bunch of meetings. <sighs> Love to meet. Right. Mm. I got to do that. I start off with a meeting with my good friend, Dr. Deco Muhammad. So um, when I get off here, I'm going to run downtown, meet her at Atticus. That'd be nice. Get a cup of coffee and something. And then uh, one o'clock, I have a meeting. And then I think I have a meeting at one o'clock. And then, oh, and then a three o'clock meeting. And then a four o'clock time with my LSAT coach. And then I want to go downtown to Temple Square to hear um, people that I enjoy playing music. Paul Brian Hudson, um, uh, John Moore, and uh, uh, and someone else. I just he just played he just played at the uh, Concat graduation. I can't think of his name because now it just escapes me, drives me nuts. Uh, and that's just because I'm aging. I think. Maybe I can't say it's aging. I just can't remember the name. Uh, but anyway, uh, so they're going to be down there in Temple Square. And it's a great day for that. So I want to go down there and do a little bit of that. Then I'll come on home. That'll be the end of my that'll be the end of my day. But I don't want to miss them. And I and I know it's going to be a pain in the ass to park somewhere. Ugh. That's the only thing about trying to get downtown to stuff. That it's just a pain to park. And I'm not complaining, like, because I think that's a mark of, of, a, of a booming downtown, you know, everybody, everybody wants to be downtown. So yes, it should be a little challenging to park. So we'll see, we'll see how the end of my day goes. I might, I might not make it because, you know, I might just leave something off and be like, oh, I can't possibly, <laughs> I can't possibly do. So we'll we'll see how that goes. You know, I'll just just figure it out. Keep it moving. And I need to go uh, pick up some prescriptions because they've been sitting in the pharmacies. So I got to go do that. But you know what I mean? Like it's one of these Thursdays is like my day, my easy day. My you know, like Wednesdays is really my Friday. So Thursday and, and Friday are really the days that I can go around and schedule stuff and do stuff, and you know, without having to worry about. Um, getting things other things done so so that is the uh that's the life i lead you sucker mcs <laughs> that's what i'm doing today so so i got i got pack up my computer because i got to take it with me um today and uh and and which is fine because now when i come back i'm gonna set my um my desktop back up so i could work from there because i really need to put it back up on this desk so you know maybe that's what I'll do I mean I've got I, I need to be a little bit more directed about how I'm gonna spend my time in these next few days because it's a long weekend and I don't you know I'll get into a whole mood about chilling and then I won't do nothing but chill so I have to I think be purposeful about this 4th of July you know so that's that's what that's where my head is that is where my head is and uh, uh, 
see what's going on because I really want to spend some time working on stuff. And I think I might have to pop by Home Depot because, you know, I want one of these um, grout pens. I didn't even know these existed. I saw it on one of these little home shows or, or maybe I was scrolling through because I follow a bunch of home decor DIY people on the on the gram. And so I, they, were, they I saw a little thing about using the grout pen to get rid of the stubborn grout stuff that you can't bleach out. I was like, that's a real thing. Uh, and I was, it was like, yeah. So I'm going to run to uh, one of the little places and see if I can find one. You know, see if I can find one. So maybe I'll take a, a run out to Lowe's. Like, do I have grout pins? You know, and uh, see what happens. Yeah. I, I, like to, I like to work on that. And then, uh, and then pick a paint color for my dad on death. Do that. So, and and then pick out a. I, I think I have a. I think I have a paint color for my, my kitchen. You know, it's just so many things that I want to do, and I have the time to do it. So that's what that's what I want to do, and uh, and see who I can have on the show next week after the uh, after the holiday. It's it's a it's challenging to schedule up for the holidays. Uh, not because I can't find people, but because, you know, people's schedules are such, you know, so it's just easier to wait to after the holiday. And uh, well, that's what I'm going to do. So, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll do that. And we'll have uh, some guests next week, hopefully. I can schedule up some folks for this hour, for the 10, 15 hour, have some good conversations, a lot going on, you know. Um, uh, now that the Arts and Ideas Festival, the International Festival of Arts and Ideas is over, um, uh, Schubert Theater la launched their season, Long Wharf Theater launched their season. Um, there's a couple of things that I'm quite excited about. I'm looking forward to the Joan Didion piece that's going to happen. Um, for Long Wharf Theater, and and the way that they're going to do it is in small venues, and um, you know the 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 year of magical thinking. I gifted that book to a uh, uh, to a friend who we're no longer friends, but I still care deeply about them. So I gifted her this book, and uh, and uh, I want to uh, I want to uh, I've not read it, so maybe I could squeeze it in. Uh, in between uh, waiting for this show to come and, uh, you know, this fall. So uh, fall into spring. So that might give me enough time to, uh, it might give me time to, to read it. I don't think it's a, a, a long book. So I think I could tackle it in between all the heavy lifting. I am reading um, Salvation by Bell Hooks. I just started it because I finally finished The Yellow House by Sarah M. Broom, which was so beautifully written. It took me a whole year, two years to read this damn book. I started reading it last summer, right? Uh, it was recommended. I'm glad I read it because it it's so, such a beautifully written book. It reads like a novel. So I finally finished it and then I'm going to I'm tackling bell hooks salvation 
um, you know, notes on love and stuff like that. Because I just need to replenish the my love well. I just need to replenish it, you know, um, so that I just stay fortified. Because, <sighs> you know, dealing with people. I'm so glad I have my core group of friends who I just don't got to worry about other people and their flakiness. I got a core, good core group of friends who just, you know, I, it just insulates me from all the other mess out there in the world. And uh, I, it just, I like that. I, I, I'm sorry for folks who don't have a good core group of friends. You know, I, I really am. So, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I'm just happy that, uh, you know, you go right into the summer and all the summer stuff. I wish there was, you know, jazz concerts on the green for, for, you know, like August or something. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. People could really gather and hang out or whatever. I, I'd like that. But I don't think that's happening. So, uh, so I can, you know. And, you know, Brian Slater and I think about bringing back jazz wear all the time. Who has the time? You know, um, who has the time? It was good while we did it. You know, two seasons of it was great. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if we can figure that out again. Because I love doing it. The concept was great. Just putting jazz artists in unconventional places and inviting people to come and hear it. It was a great, great use of space and time. Um, you know, places that you wouldn't normally think you could hear music, you know, live music. So, uh, so yeah, so I don't know if we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that, but I, I'd like to. Yeah. Oh, I was watching the news last night. Uh, Lowell Weicker died. He was like 92. I didn't even know he was still alive. Is that a terrible thing to say? I didn't, I guess, cause you know, he's been out of the public eye. So, I, you know, when somebody's out of the public eye and they've been around a long time, you just think they've passed and you missed it. Uh, but he just passed. And, uh, he was our governor and he was, you know, it was interesting. He was an interesting cat. He was a very interesting cat. You know, and I do, I do recall him. I do recall him. Uh, I do recall him. You know, 92. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, uh, uh, yeah, he lived a long life and he had a very interesting, dynamic political career. So by Governor Weicker. Uh, yeah, so uh, interesting guy. <sighs> and I'm sure tributes will pour in and uh I'm sure there'll be some kind of memorials. Of course, there'll be some kind of memorial service. And, and the state will take pause and remember and all this other kind of stuff. Because, you know, the news did a little piece, you know, ran a little montage of, you know, his career and his, some of his, um, some of his uh, high points and low points and defining moments, uh, you know. So, yeah, I mean, that's, yep. Interesting. Yeah, yes. 92 is a long time. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not even going to wish it. I'm just saying I'm on a day by day mission. <laughs> oh. 
That's what I'm on. I'm on a day-by-day mission. So, you know, peaceful. Peaceful. Peace is my mission. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be peaceful in all manner of things. You know, and uh, uh, and I'm being, I, I met Liam Brennan the other day at Possible Futures. I hadn't met him. Uh, he was nice to talk to, interesting guy. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of energy, so let's see, he threw his hat in the ring. So let me say something to my, to, to folks who are running for office. Because, you know, I, I just, politics is not a spectator sport, and neither is life. Neither one of these things are spectator sports. You have to be in it to win it. And, and, and what I'll say is when people come and want to talk to me about politics or particular politicians and they, you know, they got a beef with them. And I always say to people, and it doesn't matter who it is. I'll, I'll say this too. If you got beef with Gary Winfield and, and no one has beef with you, Gary, but if you have beef with, or you don't like what he is doing, you know what you can do? You can mount a campaign and run. That's, that's, that's the only, or you, you got one or two options. Go and get an audience with him and have a conversation about whatever it is you feel some way about. I would invite you to do that. He's amenable to that. Two, if you just don't want to talk to him, you just think you could do a better job, then get your people together and make a run for it. That's it. There's no other. I I don't know what people want. And I say that about anybody. I'll say about Gary. I'll say about Robin. I say about Tony, if you feel like you want to run against them, run against them. I, I'm for the democratic process. It doesn't mean I dislike them. I love them. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, you think it's easy. You think it looks easy. You think it's like a walk in the park. It's not. It's late nights and commitment of time. It's all those things. And, and yeah, there might be some things you don't like. But, you know, there's some things that you don't like in your own damn family. It's just going to be stuff you don't like, you know. So, that, that, so that's my that's my message. I'm gonna say that to anybody and everybody. Now, my politician friends might not like me saying that. I I don't know. I have no idea. But I'm gonna tell you something. If you come to me and you sit on my porch and you whine about the political system or politicians, I'm gonna give you two answers. Go and get an audience with them, whoever you have a you just want to talk to. Get on their calendar and have an audience with them or email or call them or whatever it is you think you got a gripe about. Or if that's not your thing and you want to run, mount a campaign and run. That's it. <laughs> I don't, I don't have, I'm not fooling around with people and these damn conversations about what somebody's not doing and they feel some kind of way and I don't like and blah, blah. I don't care. I don't care. I do not care. Because this is what I know. I vote and I vote, been voting since I was 18 years old. I'm going to continue to vote. I love politics and I like politicians. I like them. I like them because I know it's hard work to do this work. It's hard work to talk to your neighbors and legislate on their behalf and deal across the aisle with other people who are doing the exact same things for their constituency. So people could be, I don't care. My politician friends, I love y'all. If you're mad at me because you because I said somebody ought to run against you, then then you toughen up because that's the democratic process in this country. If people don't like who is in office, they have the right to run. 
So that's all I'm saying. I, I tell people, and I tell this, I'm, I'm not secret about this. I tell people all the time, listen, if you don't like what the legislative, your legislative leadership is doing, if you have a conversation with them and you walk away still dissatisfied and you feel like you want to take a stab at it, take a stab at it. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Take your shot. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to win a damn thing, but it means that you get up off your butt, you shut up and you mount a campaign with your ideas and your opinions and the things that you think you want to accomplish and see if anybody buys into that. That's the other part of it. People got to buy into it. That's all I'm going to say. That's it. So I, I, my, my political friends know I, that's how I feel, you know, because I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think uh, 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 we should just rest on our laurels. I think we should, I think people ought to be running for offices all the time. I think people should, particularly if they feel passionate about a thing or two, you know, and, and, and whoever has got the message that the people want to hear, that's the person that people are going to vote for. So if your message is tight, then your message is tight. But you don't get to sort of, you know, uh, just because you think you're doing a good job doesn't mean you get to stay in that seat. No, you, you've got to earn that seat just like anybody else has got to earn that seat. Fortunate for us, we've got folks in seats that do a damn good job, you know, who, who, who do a good job, you know, that do a good job and, 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 and deliver for Connecticut. You know, at the congressional level, at the state level, and, and well, the local level. <laughs> the local level leaves a lot to be desired. And that's where all your politics, that's where everything that affects you is at the local level, you know. But that's how, that's how, I, that's how I wrap my brain around. I don't get mad when people are running against people that I like. It just means the people that I like got to really step up their game, work harder, and, and, and tell the people, you know, put you know, string a banner of all their accomplishments because we forget the accomplishments of the people who represent us. We forget, we forget because we go on to the next thing. We go on to the next thing. But when you see somebody's totality of all that they've done on your behalf, you're like, whoa, okay. Okay, that's huge. That's big, you know, and that's, that's the truth. So I just wanted to put that out there so people do not mistake when I say to, about other people, well, run against them. Run against Gary, run against Robin, run against Tony, run against Chris Murphy, run against Rosa DeLauro. Run! If that's, if that's where you feel like your passion lies and you think you could make a better difference, then mount a campaign. Get you some people together, because that's what it is. You get you some people together and you strategize and you run a campaign, that's it. That's it. Because let me tell you something. Even if these folks keep their seats and they run un, un you know, they, nobody contests them or whatever, nobody is running against them, they still got an amount of campaign. It's still, you still, they still got to do all the work as if they got an opponent. So you might as well throw your hat in the ring. I'm just saying, you know, don't, don't, you know, I hear this stuff, oh, the party will get mad at me. What party? What party? If you think you could do it, you've got to be in the business. Politics is in the business of convincing. Love is not. Political parties is. So if you feel like this is what you want to do, can't nobody stop you. You know what I mean? Put your hat in the ring. I have no interest in running for office. Not near one bit of interest. None. Zero. Nada. 
been there, done that. I have no interest. None. And I have no interest in, in mounting campaigns for somebody, I, except for Karen DeBose Walton, because I, I love her and I want her, I wanted her to be our mayor, but didn't didn't pan out like that. You know, but whatever she whatever she throws her hat in for, I'm I'm with it. And that goes for a couple of other people too, you know. And 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 people are quick to be like, oh, you know, they, they got they got they got fever for people who are sitting in office and they forget what it requires and what has been done and who they got to work with. They forget. They forget. People forget that stuff. They forget. And they think, you know, and 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 it's fine. It's it's fine if you forget. That's why uh sitting sitting folks have to remind people, this is what I've done since I've been here. This is what I've done since I've been here. These are these are the things that I've worked on. These are the things that I got through. These are the things that I care about that you said you cared about. These are the things that you brought to my door and said, okay, I need you to work on this because this is important. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just putting that out there because I want people to be clear about my position because people think that I'm, I, 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 I'm against people. I'm not. There's nobody I'm against except, well, getting there, but I don't even know if I'm really against him. I just just don't like him as mayor. Um, but then again, you know, he mounted a campaign. He had a vision and he executed it. Whether I like it or not, he's the mayor. So it's not about it's really not about a life. You know, other people are coming forth, throwing their hat in the ring. I like I like when people do that. And I know all the 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 intimacies of politics and and all that stuff gets people nervous because it's like, well, too many candidates running. It splits the bowl. It breaks the party. It just all these things. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I, I still like to see people running for office. I don't care. I still, even if I don't like the person. Now, I don't want to see Donald Trump run for office, but I'm not a Republican and that's on them. <laughs> and I, I don't want to tell them he's a loser. I was like, listen. He's feeling he's feeling like 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 a lot of white men in in America. Mediocre. I want to be whatever, and then go do it. So, what? I don't know what else to say about that. So, so I just wanted to put that out there because I want people to be clear that uh the the people I, my I have good friends who are who are who are elected to office, and I think they're doing a fine job. But I also know that people talk to me about other people that they like to see in those seats and, and, and seek my advice about it. And I only have two, two pieces of advice. Go have audience with them, whoever it is that them is, go have audience with them. Or if that's not your thing, then mount your campaign. I'm not a kingmaker. You don't need my blessing. I don't, I don't got a dog in no fight, except I want good representation. I want people who care about what they're doing to legislate on my behalf. I need that. I need that promise that you would do everything in your power to legislate on our behalf in, in a fine, upstanding, reputable way. All right. That's it. But beyond that, nah, I'm not sweating that stuff. So say whatever you want. You can run around and say, I'm telling you, you could go and say, well, this is what Bab said about this. I said it. <laughs> I'm saying this. I'm for anybody who wants to run for office. That's just, listen, that's just what it is. 
And we may not like the them that are running. You might not like them. Cast your vote accordingly. Cast your vote accordingly. And do your part. You know, if you want to keep people in office. And that requires everybody to do their part. You know, not just the candidates, but the citizens, too. They got to do their part. You got to get out the vote. And you got to get other people out the vote. If you live in a block, get everybody on your block to vote. You know, just remind people, even if you, even if one of these people like, I don't like to talk to people like that. And then, you know, I don't, I was like, listen, just remind people, just remind people when passing. I do it all the time. I did it all the time on the street. I'm like, did you vote today? Don't forget to vote. Where we vote? Oh, where you've been voting for the last 40 years over there at Lincoln Bassett School. Go over there and vote. You know, that's, that's the part. I feel better when I do that. Is it enough? Probably not. But that's my commitment to it. I'm going to tell people, vote. Go vote. Go vote. And I'm going to use everything I have in me to tell you to vote. I don't care if I got to guilt you. I don't care if I got to shame you. I'm going to do all of it. All of it. Because this is too precious. Voting is too precious. And we got we to gotta hold that. Listen, let me tell you something. This is the thing that people I want people to understand. 8,000 people determine the mayor in this city. 8,000. Now, we are a city of what, 140,000, 130,000, 150,000? However, 100,000 people, 8,000 people determine who, who's in office in this city. Now, when you think about that, it sounds crazy as hell. <laughs> You're like, what? Yes, 8,000 people. That's how many people vote in this city. On a good time, in a good year, right? Maybe, maybe 10,000, 11,000 on a good year when there's like a whole bunch of elections and it's sexy. 8,000 people determined. So that means there are people who are not voting. For whatever reason, they're not voting. How do we inspire them to vote? How do we get them out? You know, how do we get them out? We got to get them out. You got to vote. You cannot grumble and gripe and do nothing. Walk your asses to the poll and cast your ballot to the best of your ability. No, you're not going to have all the, the tools in front of you to, to, to whatever, but you'll have enough information in front of you. Because these people knock on your damn doors. They leave you pamphlets. They doorknob hangers. That I mean, there's enough. You could talk to your neighbors. Well, what do you think of so-and-so? What do you think of so-and-so? And it can't be like, oh, I saw her in the grocery store and she didn't speak to me. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. That's crap. I don't want to hear that kind of mess. And I shut that down when people start that. Well, she thinks she's stuck up. She thinks she's, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. We're not doing that. That's, that's, that's playground stuff. No, because you don't know what people are dealing with. When you see them in the store, they are on their phones. They are trying to do stuff. They are trying to get groceries. They're trying to... There's so many things that happens in the, I know how I am when I'm out and people see me and they're like, oh, I saw you, Babs, you didn't say hi. Hell, I probably didn't see you. <laughs> I'll speak to you if I saw you, but I probably, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I gotta get over here, I gotta get over there. I'm gonna get on my phone, I'm gonna get on my calendar, I gotta talk to this person, I gotta do that. I gotta get to studying. I, you know, it's 50 minutes, and I got four kids. And I'm not even elected to nothing. So I know how petty people could be about I remember when people were saying that about Tony Harper. They were like, oh, I saw her in the grocery store. She didn't speak. Who she thinks she is? She thinks she is as a woman trying to get some damn groceries. <laughs> the mayor ain't Beyonce. Beyonce, the mayor's the mayor. <laughs> and she, why didn't you speak? Why didn't you go up to her and say, hey, Mayor Harper, how you doing? Instead of assuming that she's just playing at your level. 
Because that's what you're doing. You're playing at some, some gutter, low life level. When you, oh, see, speak to me. See, uh, oh, every time I saw her, she had this look on her face. Are you kidding me? That's how we choosing? You make better decisions when you vote for American Idols. You get all up into it when you vote for American Idols. Come on, people. The vote is sacred. You got to use it. We're going to lose it. Swear to God, there are forces right now who are doing everything in their power, everything under the sun to snatch your ability to exercise your right to vote, to snatch it from you, to snatch it from you. Holding, getting rid of, throwing people off voting rolls, gerrymandering, all the things that they're doing. And, and we cannot sit by and just like, oh, well, they're going to do what they're going to do. I hate when people say that. I hate that more than anything. Well, they're going to do what they want to do anyway. No, you the people. We the people. We are the people. We get to say, oh, you're not going to, it's not going to what you're going to do today. You, what you're not going to do today is steal our vote. And we got to stand up for that. 8,000 people determined the mayor in the city. 8,000. Is that acceptable? No. No. Not when we got so many people registered to vote. So we can register people to vote, but we got to get people to the vote. We got we to gotta, we gotta invite them to the vote. You know, whatever, whatever gimmicks we need. Whatever. Whatever it is we need. You know, we, we need to do that. Because this is too critical and too important at every level. But all politics is local. So you got to start in your local election. Who represents you at the, at the city level, town level? Who represents you at the state level? This is important because when they talk about allocate, allocation of resources, you want to make sure that whoever represents you has the ability to get in there and make sure they fight, fight for the resources for this city and, and the people in Hamden and the people in West Haven and all the other people too. You know, you know what I mean? Like the people in Greenwich, their representatives got to fight for them too. Everybody's got to, somebody's got to send somebody into the arena. We want to send the best and the brightest and the most equipped into the arena to fight for us. And that's what it is. It's a fight. And sometimes it's friendly. Sometimes it's friendly. Like, okay, we could all, we could all Democrats and Republicans get along alike and, and, you know, but most times, Republicans don't like to serve nothing. <laughs> no shade to the Democrats, but all shade to the no shade to the Republicans, but all shade to the Republicans. <laughs> they don't they don't want nothing. They want small government. You know what small government is? Small government is long lines at Social Security, at DMV, and all the places that we want to be fast at. It's going to be slower. Mail, uh, post office, all the things. <laughs> small government means you don't have nobody answering the phone. You can't get your phone answered. You can't get answers to the questions that you want. That's what small government is. <laughs> Don't be stupid. <laughs> you know when you go to the grocery store and there's like one checkout? That's small government. When they got 20 checkout stations and they got two people working, that's small government. You don't want that. You want 20 cashiers working so that you can get in and out of there that the quickness. And now, now they got, you know, they, they, they've got this model now where they have less checkout and more personal checkout where you do it yourself. And, and you, you not get no discount for checking out your groceries yourself. 
you still paying the high ass groceries for checking out yourself. So I say this to say, you don't want some more government. What you want is an efficient government. And however many people it takes to run the government, that's what you need. I don't want to hear small government for the sake of small government. That makes no damn sense. Because let me tell you something. Nobody says small houses. These people who, who, who are touting this small government, they don't live in small houses. None of them living in tiny houses. None of them. <laughs> Woo. Okay, I got to go. I'm, I'm on my way out. Because I don't set it up. So I'm just saying, I love politics. I have political friends. I like what they're doing. I support them. But I'm always going to tell people, run against them if you, if you, if you feel so inclined. They'll, they'll, they'll take you on. They'll take the fight on. Because they know how to fight. That's it. That's it. If you, if you don't think the person is doing a great job, you either go have an audience with them or you go take up, take up a charge and, and mount a campaign. That's it. That, you got two options. <laughs> or the third option is shut up and just keep whining. That's your third option. You know, so. Hi, this is Babs Rolls Ivy from New Haven, Connecticut, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. 